Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That's me. This is a podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs, founders, startups, and the angels, VCs, family offices, and investment firms who serve them. It's great to be here today, and in particular with uh, Edwin uh, Mata, who comes to us from Bricken in um, Barcelona, Spain. Do I got that? Do I have that right, Edwin? Yes, completely. Barcelona, Spain and, is where I'm currently located. And you're originally from Mexico, is that right? Original. Original. The original. Uh, uh, I've actually done uh, Mexican podcasts back to back. Oddly enough, but uh, without for the first time doing any Mexican Mexicans uh, uh, on the show. So it's great to have you. And you are a person that we, we have so much to talk about. I feel like here's a subject where um, here's what I bring to the table. Pretty much absolutely nothing. Um, I'm going to be as um, uh, dumb as I can be on this one because we're going to be talking about Bitcoins and tokens. You have a token company. Um, uh, I, that's a, uh, maybe one way to describe it. But I wanted to start today, Edwin, by talking a little bit about what's going on in the markets. Um, we usually don't get very involved in it, but there's no doubt that um, you know, tech companies, uh, uh, famous companies are taking it on the chin and so are, so is Bitcoin and, and companies related to that industry. So I think it'd be very useful to hear how you would analyze what's going on and then what you think people should do about it, if anything. Yeah, perfect. I mean, I think when we experienced it, it was meant to happen, you know, uh, the last two years or maybe comes even from before. But especially during COVID, a lot of the companies saw an uptick uh, on the revenues, big uh, using blockchain or blockchain or anything. I mean, literally there were countries that couldn't deliver or couldn't get out. So delivery companies just blew up. Here in Spain, there was a valuation of a two billion company who has crashed 50 percent uh, the last year just because people stopped ordering because they could. Well, same thing happened with all these tech companies, Zoom, DocuSign, Twilio, infrastructure. So. In that sense, it's like we were living in a in a big bubble because people were not coming out, so they were in, in doing everything remotely. So they were using all these tech services, and that's why they got hit. Because once you start going back to certain normality, well, these things were going to happen. And cryptocurrencies was not only another one because if you were home and couldn't do anything, you would say like, okay, why don't I buy? I, I don't, I'm not spending in eating. I'm not spending going to the movie theaters or even going to a bar with friends. So it's like, okay, I have a little bit more. Why don't I, yeah, why don't I go and jump into a cryptocurrency? So I think it was just uh, a big uh, hit of what happened because the valuation of companies were off the roof. Everybody was doing an IPO, SPACs were coming out, cryptocurrencies were going like crazy. And I think uh, the momentum obviously has to die. There's not enough money out there to continue feeding not just one well or one uh, one country, just every, every out there. So I do believe right now it's, it was meant to happen. I mean, yeah. I really think so. So a correction at the very least. Now, tell, correction, us, yes. tell us about, about Bricken. And um, I know you're a lawyer, and I know you come at this um, in many respects as a lawyer. We tend to forget that um, uh, the blockchain includes a smart contract. And if you hear the word contract, you have to think of the word lawyer. But first, tell us how you kind of found your way to this space as a lawyer to the token space as an attorney what brought you here uh, I, I mean 
I've been always curious about technology, even when I was young, I always had this, like, a, I was playing a lot with a computer, building things, and I always like it, I like, I really like it, I mean, I was in a generation where even, like, video games was a door to future digitization and all that, so in that sense, when I became a lawyer, I was doing M&A, so I was super corporate, working, well, uh, for restructuring of companies, and I had the shot uh, with a client on doing some things related to tech, and it, it was uh, it made me really curious because curiosity. I've always been curious about what technology brings on, not just uh, how you use it, but how is it going to evolve and how all humans are going to be interacting now that everything is digital. So I was like, oh, I really like it because they were playing with digital signatures and identity. So like I, I'm being very curious about what's happening in this field. And it was super legal. It was called legal tech. So it was like uh, they wanted to amplify some legal scope with technology. So I was like, oh, this is probably what is me for me because I like legal and I like tech. So I might jump into the legal tech sector. So that's basically how I got the shot working as a head of legal at, a, at the department. It was called back, uh, well, still called Signature, which is the biggest competitor of DocuSign in Europe. And they had an R&D department. Since I was also curious about production, it's just like one product can always evolve and we can build add-ons. So you always have to see like, once product stays the same, then you all have all competitors who will compete with you at the same. So it was like, how, what is the next week shot? So for me, it was smart contracts actually. So I started analyzing how smart contracts could also help uh, the legal world's execution, automatization, reduce uh, barriers, optimize efficiency. And I was curious at looking at all of that. And that's basically how I entered the blockchain world 2016. Now, let me ask you this. Take us, um, maybe go a little more slowly for us. So um, explain from a lawyer's perspective, um, what is the blockchain? What is the smart contract? What is cryptocurrency? Yes, I mean, um, they call it everything uh, decentralized. Um, it, it's basically on how it's built. Uh, all systems right now, the current are uh, currently are out there at use. They're centralized. They belong to a single entity. So it's always a single entity, a single point of failure, a single database. Uh, I mean, that's normal. It's, it's, it's a centralized. One owns the application and they can do as they want because they are the one, the authority, right? So then they bring this concept of decentralization. Instead of having one single entity, you distribute that among different nodes. It's a network, and that's why they call it a decentralized network, because now you have different entities working for the same output, but they all share the, the network goods, flows, and everything. So it's a decentralized. It's more like an organism. So that's the main difference between a centralized entity, which it's pretty really it's every single company out there and then decentralized which is they are all looking for that how to share network how to, how to create that more of an ecosystem instead of just a single output um, and that's basically how you run that decentralization well you use smart contracts in some of the blockchains which is basically all right, hang, uh, everything hang on, hang on one second Go, just, so what is a blockchain what is a blockchain so a blockchain is just a, a, a distribution of nodes. It, again, it has to it has to be related to a database or compared to a ledger. So you have an open ledger where all the transactions that occur are stored in that open ledger. Okay. So that makes it transparent because everybody can see what is happening at every single point of time and they can all access the same point of time 
in different aspects. For example, you can be in Mexico, in my case, you can be in Canada, but all the information that happens in that layer, everybody has the same uh, access, the same knowledge. And so it's super transparent, added that it's immutable, meaning nobody can modify that because the layer it's written in a code that, and then how it's built the blockchain. It's basically almost near impossible to really break that layer to modify data inside the and where does uh, this smart, where does the smart contract come in? The, the smart contract is how you execute the transactions in this ledger. So basically, uh, for example, if you want to build a transaction that you have to put in this massive open ledger, you execute the smart contract in the sense that I want to buy something, for example, I want to trade even uh, Ethereum or something. All of those transactions are smart contracts because it's code in the sense that a to B is a transmission, it's smart contract executed and it gets embedded into the blockchain. But now smart contracts are getting more complex because you can put more variables. Scroll accounts can be built on the blockchain, uh, delaying transmissions. Uh, I, there's so many possibilities that right now, all of that just makes it uh, the ledger more optimal since the beginning. It's just not just for handling accounts. You can even do payments in the future, uh, put variables that if something happens in the future, then be executed. And all of that is just because it's 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 smart contract, it's code, it's uh, binary, one zero, one zero. It sounds like that would be very good for, this will be very good for lawyers because it's just more contracts and you, that's when lawyers tend typically come in. Is that fair? Absolutely. I think there's a misconception out there in the ecosystem that says that a lawyer and a smart contract are antithesis in the sense that one understands the law and the other one executes a code and those don't relate. And I think it's wrong because lawyers as myself, we have we need this optimization because then we do work at the interpretation level. But whatever is just a, a fix A to B or B to C or something like that, then we don't have to worry about that. It's already embedded in the code, so we just have to go fix the more intense things because us lawyers, I mean, I'm a lawyer and, and I know I have many friends as lawyers and they all work on almost the same templates, almost kind of like a share purchase agreement. Yeah, they modify two, three clauses, but the rest, it's always a template. So they're kind of using smart contracts in the sense that they're using a template and they just modifying what they, they, what they think it's important or the client's output. But the rest is basically what, what you want to optimize. You don't want to worry about the thousand clauses that are always the same. And now I want to really zero in with uh, Edwin Mata of Bricken in Barcelona, a lawyer uh, whose company really specializes in, in tokens and tokenization. And I think that um, many people could tell you what the blockchain is. Many people could tell you what a smart contract is, a ledger, and uh, cryptocurrency. I am not sure the tokens are particularly well understood. So give us a very simple definition, and then I know it's going to get complex in terms of how you can use them. But I think um, let's start with just a very simple uh, definition, explanation of how tokens fit into the blockchain and into cryptocurrency. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, the definition of token itself is basically a representation of something. That's the most simple uh definition of what a token is. And in reality, we've been using tokens for the longest of times, just that we just didn't know that that was a token because 
the blockchain, what they did is they used certain words out there and then they made it their own. And people think like, oh yeah, tokens all exist in the blockchain. That's a complete misconception. Credit cards are tokens. Hotel cards are tokens. Casino chips are tokens. They represent something that provides access to a product or service. And they've been there for okay. the longest time. I go to a casino, I go with a thousand dollars. The casino gives me chips that represent my thousand dollars. I go with those casino chips inside and start playing blackjack if I want. But they don't play. With, I don't play with $1,000. I play with $1,000 being represented by the by the tokens that they gave me. They, they okay, actually so, gave me so casino chips with our tokens. So give us a real-world example. And I think maybe if we stick to real estate, then that'll help in terms of the real world. But give us an example of uh, the tokenization of real estate. Yeah, so with that conception that it's a representation, now buildings have a real estate, have a value. So let's make it simple. Let's have a, a building that is $1 million. Perfect. That can you, you can use uh, fiat money, which is obviously normal, but that it says that it's a thousand, it's easy, it's convertible. It's easier to represent a thousand, $1 million in whatever format you want. You can also digitize that amount and put it into the blockchain, which is what it's called tokenization. Is that building ceases its originality form or, or its physical form and is transformed into its digital format. And again, if we think about the casino chip scenario, now that building gets represented in tokens. Well, let me so ask you, you let, me, one million. let me ask you this I'll, probably a dumb question, but the casino example is you take a physical asset which is cash or money and you get in exchange chips which are also a physical asset so what's happened Correct. what's difficult about this is um you have let's take an apartment building why don't you walk us through how a developer would use tokens to develop a building or to to generate capital for a building how would that how would that actually work yeah definitely so i mean in the in the sense that tokenization and why we're using it uh it's always about money you know? it's the translation of what is going to occur or how you're going to get funded or finance all of those so a promoter already has a business plan that he probably developed let's say the perfect promoter already has everything established and knows what is the value of what he wants or what he needs and what is going to be the, the flip, let's say, because they all do the flip. They all want to uh, build cheap, sell, sell expensive, obviously, because that's where the money comes from for them. So with that business plan, they have various outputs. They can go to the bank. Let's see if they give you a line of credit for development. They can go to family offices, to VCs or whatever. With organization, what is happening is you can still go to the same because it doesn't matter. The organization is open forever but you get the open to the retail investor because the retail investor now can invest $1, 3 5 6 10 it doesn't matter. You will need mass, but it can also amplify your scope. So instead of you having one door, two doors, now you have 100 doors to, to knock and open because the game is always going to be the same. It's just that you are digitizing something and putting it into tokens. But every token has equal rights and equal value. That's the thing. So you're, what are you digitizing? You're digitizing essentially the value of the property? Yes. Okay, so you're, you're digitizing, let's say, part of the value of the property. You're issuing tokens that represent part of the value of the property, 
right? Now, why would a developer want to do that? I mean, it's it's basically just a new form of funding. So it's not that uh, they're going to choose this over another aspect. No, it's just that we they can create new business models on top of this possibility because now they have engaged with a new player, which is the mass player out there, which is the retail. I mean, yes, VCs have all the money and family offices, and we talk about Wall Street and brokers, but we forget that the retail has five ten dollars in their pockets on a daily basis probably it all depends on the content all of that mm -hmm. i'm just being here with example so if you join 100 people that have 100 euros that invest in a month i mean you already have a ticket so it's it's all about that it's not that it's gonna be the only new form of funding no because even with tokenization you may want to invite the vc or the family office or your friend and then it will be the same process because once you tokenize and digitize, it also becomes easier to maneuver and manage because of the smart contracts. Why is that? Because you shoot the tokens to the buyers and sellers, or to, the, to all the buyers, and they know that the, the blockchain is it's a layer, you know who owns the token. So it's also easier to distribute every dividend or interest depending on the business model. Why? because the same smart contract will chase those tokens around the blockchain and pay it to the guy having that token. So it's optimization in the end tokenization. We're not here to replace standard models of financing because the only standard is the bank. This is the first form of funding that has ever existed. What we're trying to do here is optimize even all those certain funds where they have to go uh, sign a contract. Uh, and if you want to get out of the contract, you need to go on a peer-to-peer -peer and then redo another contract and another contract. All of those things, remember that what I explained in the beginning, I was saying they use almost the same clauses and the same logic. You optimize that and then you have an ecosystem which is just deploy. I, I buy a token and in one month, automatically, I get my interest and I don't have to do anything. And the promoter doesn't have to do anything as well except feed to the to the let's say like the main bank account and say like pay that's it yeah. doesn't have to go one by uh yeah let me do your transfer let me call you the bank that sells it 48 hours now in two seconds the smart contract shows the payments and everybody feels happy it's like okay same day i get my i get my interest paid today now edwin i wouldn't be a very good host if i didn't give you lots of time to talk about your company so your company is Bricken, and um uh, as I understand it, you help companies um, with the tokenization of products, with the tokenization of uh, assets. Uh, but let me give you the opportunity to explain what you do at Bricken and why you just started, decided to start this company. Yes. So uh, thanks for that, Michael. Um, honestly, for me, more than, than Bricken, Okay, Bricken for me is my, my ideal, my dream, right? But there's a reason for this dream. It's, it's because I used to work in M&A, so I was doing this restructuring of companies. And I've, I now I think, but back in the day, I was like, it was such a pain. And I don't remember weeks to, to get anything done, incorporate a company and distribute the shares, get all those signings, the term sheets, the most. All, it was just all crazy. All paper, right? All paper. <laughs> Yeah, because when I started electronic signature, yeah, we had DocuSign, which was already 
making long waves of uh, innovation in kind of that, but in Europe, everybody was like, no, electronic signature, that's not even legal. So you have to send all the paper contracts to all the clients. And if one was not in Europe, you had to do DHL overnight because you needed the signature the next day. So I remember all of that. And yeah, we became more efficient because at least now you have electronic signatures and emails mass adopted and everything, but still it's a big pain. So what we're trying to do is transform all those equities and all those forms of governance into tokens because you can represent absolutely everything you want. So what we're trying, or at least uh, yeah, I'm going to say personally, because this is how I thought of the idea. I was like, it's just about improving efficiency on how the companies are formed. They get raised, how they vote, because everybody's a shareholder. Yeah, I have. I have shares in, in NASDAQ, but I've never bought it. I've never been invited. I'm probably like a class B or C if I'm lucky. But I also did some investment in startups and then they never called me to do the shareholders meeting. And that's an obligation on their side. And why they don't do that is just because they don't even know how to manage a company because it's so inefficient for them that if you provide that kind of like mechanisms of automatizations and efficiency, then it's going to be easier even to communicate with your investors and provide information. Hey, we're going to vote about something like this. Let's go for that. So Bricken for me is just a tool for innovating companies. So we call it bringing, bringing equity on chain. And what we want to do is create a protocol where companies get transformed into tokens. Tokens get distributed. You can get now phantom shares if you want easier, employee stock options easier. It's just efficiency, what we're trying to build here. So give me an example, maybe a company that you're aware of uh, that's already doing this. Yeah, we have a lot of proof of concepts now. Um, we're getting ready to deploy the our new dashboard and platform that we've been developing for over a year because we've been out there asking and requesting, hey, why don't we do proof of concept just to see how was the movement of the tokens and what the investors, what the VCs in the back will think, because we are kind of like disrupting too much on certain control as aspects. So right now, one of the key components of what we're doing is bringing the retail. So we are crowdfunding, yes, Kickstarter, biggest crowdfunding out there. I mean, yeah, since, I don't know, it was 2014, I think. Uh, they disrupt the market of, of being able to finance your projects. What we're doing is not different from them. It's just that we are in the Web3 because Kickstarter is a single point of failure, an entity. In 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 that sense, I will take it first a little bit. Sorry, Michael, my internet could be. Am I back? You're back, yes. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry about that. So Kickstarter, it's a single entity. It's a centralized entity. If you invest in Kickstarter, it's very hard for you to get out because your ecosystem is based on that silo of data, just Kickstarter. So when you bring the blockchain, it gets distributed among everything on that decentralized network, and that's why they, it's decentralized. So one of the things that we really enjoy in and with the proof of concept is just the easiness of transfer tokens that represent shares in that secondary market, peer-to-peer, -peer, or all these automized protocols, which is bringing more liquidity and more easiness to move around if you want to stay, you want to leave, but also for companies to issue more tokens to get more funding. They don't have to wait anymore for the six months. Uh, I'm going to begin my roadshow. Uh, I enter at the valuation of 100K. So again, it's just pure efficiency. So what we're liking is that it's just that we are just providing 
more efficiency for companies so, so to me, get raised. Edwin, uh, we're talking to Edwin Mata of Bricken about tokenizing things, tokenization. Now, let's drill down. So on the one hand, you mentioned Kickstarter, which is a crowd crowdfunding platform, centralized, and you called it a silo. I think that's accurate. How would somebody ish how would somebody do a kickstarter type thing using bitcoin using bit using the blockchain how how using tokens how would that work there's no market yeah. there's no markets for that now right there's no marketplace for that right no they're they're actually being built they even have uh stocks changes now well uh let's say blockchain security token markets I, I don't know. I just invented. I just confused. But they're legal. They got a license, and you can transact it's security brand tokens. New though. It's brand new, right? So yeah, it's super brand so, new. So it's more like theoretical that you, if you wanted to, rather than go to a crowdfunding source or rather than go to angels, you you issue um, uh, a bunch of tokens, um, and you sell the tokens to investors. And investors can correct me if I'm wrong, but can can um, profit on the tokens just as they would profit on a on shares of a stock. Correct? Yeah. Or the they could also lose. <laughs> they could also lose money. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. It's exactly the same. We can't. It's the same concept. Right. So, how? Give me an example of something you're doing now with a customer that you consider an unusual use of uh, of tokens. Yeah, so basically, uh, we have a, a tokenization coming up, most likely end of the month, uh, which is we are creating a new company on top of an existing company where we're going to put all the investors. So it's kind of like a syndication. We're going to create a syndicate of investors, and those syndicate, since it's what they want, we want what they want to do is it's uh, it, it's a delivery startup. Uh, they already got raised and they're well established. But what they want to amplify is that the client or potential client also becomes an investor and the investor becomes a client. And that's simple because one of the that's, like, that's what crowdfunding is like, where you actually use it to identify your customers, not just your investors. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But with the tech being a little bit more decentralized, for example, if I buy in Kickstart, I only exist in Kickstart. And if I want to communicate with the company, I will probably even have to register through the company and the company will probably know that I'm an investor because the databases do not converge. They all exist in their own little silo. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the things that you uh, you move forward when you do tokenization because the, the company knows who's the investor and who's the client because they already have all the data. It's it's theirs and it's, it's in the blockchain. So you can provide a new layer of products and service to your investors saying, hey, do you invest in me? I'll give you 20% or free uh, service fee. You don't have to pay for the writer for one year. You start incentivizing that the, that the investor becomes your client because, I mean, one thing is certain. If you're an investor, for example, myself, I don't know if this example was to anyone, but I've never invested in Apple. Why? Because I don't I don't even use iPhone or Mac. But maybe if I had my home with Mac and Apple, I would say I'm gonna invest I'm gonna invest in them because you usually use services that you want to invest. I invested in, in Netflix during the during the pandemic. Why? Because I was watching Netflix a lot because I couldn't do anything. So I was like, this is it. So that thought is what can really create new business models and new models of investment where you're like, it's not necessarily like I just want your funds, is okay. 
trust the product, and I'll give it back to you somehow. Not just on revenue, I'll give you an but also you on a new get uh, What we would call a benefit or some advantage, um, uh, some discount. Um, all of those things you're saying can be built into the tokens and into the blockchain. Yes, because the beauty of the token is its name. It's fungible. <laughs> and when something is fungible, yeah, yeah right. It's, it's perfectly understood. Which means changeable. It can change. Exactly. Yeah. Which is exactly. why an NFT is a non-fungible token that can't change. Um, that, that being the difference. Exactly. Well, Edwin, this has been fascinating. We could go on forever, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, we'll have to do this again because things are changing so fast, particularly after you bring that. Uh, I guess you're, 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 it's the tokenization of a company. You're not bringing them public. Uh, you're not you know, raising uh, funds in the traditional sense, but you're, you're creating value and, and helping them finance the company through the tokenization of their assets, advantages, benefits, and so on. So uh, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty damn interesting. And, and uh, we appreciate you sharing all of this with us. Thank you very much, Michael, for the invitation. Uh, lovely to to speak about blockchain innovation and hopefully the future because I believe this is this yeah. is really gonna start moving well, more thank, fast than we think. Thank you, Edmund. It comes at a time when um, the blockchain and uh, this technology is taking a pretty big hit, but you know that it's gone way down doesn't mean it won't go way back up again. Uh, we make no predictions, but um, it's certainly fun. Exactly. To and uh, this has been um, uh, The Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That's me here with Edwin Mata from Bricken talking about tokenization. Um, and we will be back with more uh, podcasts uh, before you know it. Thanks for watching.